if we go in a time machine, we had an earlier phase of pharma marketing of you know, the 90s, which was a very sales-oriented kind of pharma marketing. And the latest sort of trend that pharma has by and large matured for, though, you know, in different cases, um, is being a bit more customer-centric and not thinking just about the product and pushing the product and it's all about reaching frequency. So welcome and thank you for joining us for this edition of the ZS Associates Inside Global Pharma podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Curtis. Today we're talking about marketing, launching and living in a post-pandemic world. The past couple of years have really led to a shift in how we've used technology to connect and engage with family, friends, colleagues. We've also seen the same shift throughout the healthcare landscape. Telemedicine went through a huge explosion, accelerating in use and its presence in our daily lives. And for pharmaceutical companies, it accelerated the trend to hybrid engagement. Pre-2020, 99% of sales rep interactions were face-to-face. Only 1% were remote. Now it's roughly split between face-to-face and remote, with 50% of healthcare professionals not engaging at all with reps. From this trend, it's really clear that HCPs have embrace this whole digital engagement trend and patients, colleagues, and pharmaceutical companies all expect it to remain. Research from ZS shows that 50% of healthcare professionals want a hybrid model to remain and only 15% want it to go back to -to face-to-face only. So in today's episode, we're going to explore the impact of this trend and what it means for pharmaceutical companies and their marketing strategies, both for in-market products and also upcoming launches. How does this new digital world require upskilling of the way that we connect and engage with customers? And what does it mean for the marketeers creating brand strategy and campaigns to engage them today, in the near term, and ahead in the future? So joining me today is my colleague and leader in our ZS Associates growth marketing practice, Jeff Moore. Jeff, welcome. Hi, Jen. Thanks for having me. The evolving dynamics on HCP to patient and HCP to pharma interactions have been a really key topic I've been following closely over the past two years. So I'm really excited to dig into the latest trends and the implications for the future with you. I'm excited to talk about what's happening right now and then what that might mean for the near and far term. Great. Well, Jeff, I, I think it's an obvious statement to say that in the past couple of years, pharma's engagement with customers, primarily physicians, has been driven by digital channels. And this was a, a huge shift versus the traditional face-to-face relationship. I, I shared some stats earlier about what we've seen happening in the U.S. How have we seen this shift play out in European countries? Yeah, broadly, in aggregate, the trends are pretty similar. But the theme is variability. Um, There's variability at, of course, individual position levels, but also when you average things out at a specialty or at a country level. So let's go back. Right away when the pandemic started, even when we were at the height of it, there were still doctors saying, "Mm, I would prefer pharma to be in person where where they can be. And there were some physicians who were saying, I want to interact remotely, and some saying, I don't want to interact at all or or to be uh, reactive only. And then as that continued, there were still physicians in each of those camps. But there were some who said, you know, 
I wish pharma were a lot more proactive during the pandemic. I didn't kind of get the attention and support that I expected, that their absence was noted. And others who were saying, pharma, go away, I'm kind of overwhelmed by the situation right now. So this continued to evolve over the course of the uh, pandemic. And we saw physicians increasingly become open to more promotion and discussion overall, and some open to in-person. But even as late as September of 2021, when we were uh, looking at this and, and fewer restrictions were in place. This is, of course, before Omicron. We still saw a lot of physicians saying, I only want virtual contact. And today, when many countries in Europe are you know, pr pretty open, in, in the UK, for example, we basically dropped all COVID-related restrictions. We still see that, on average, across the EU5, physicians want about 40% of their sales rep visits to be remote. Now, while every doctor is quite individual in this regard, we can see some interesting trends. The UK, amongst the EU5, has always and continues to lean the most towards virtual visits. It's been at around 60% of UK HCPs preferring this compared to something like 30% or so in France and then uh, Italy, Germany, and Spain in the middle. Maybe it's because the UK was on the earlier side of the COVID waves and were a little more cautious and um, putting rules in place to limit in-person interactions and kind of stuck with it and have had the most kind of experience with virtual interactions, be it with pharma or with, with patients. We also see some trends by specialty area. Perhaps unsurprisingly, infectious disease doctors are more likely than some of their peers to prefer virtual interactions, um, maybe because they're more sensitive to uh, some of the risks or they know their patients already are immunocompromised with uh, an active infection to deal with. Oncologists are also tend to be higher on this metric, perhaps again due to many of their patients being immunocompromised. It's super, it's, it's really interesting, right? Because there's clear interest and desire from healthcare professionals to, to want digital, at least as part of the way that they're engaging. But we also know that the experience isn't great, right? We have a load of data particularly from the US with our affinity monitor, which tracks access to HCPs. And it shows the real struggle that pharma has experienced trying to keep them engaged. Looking at the data that we have between April 2020 and, and January 2022, we see huge drop-offs in the willingness to engage with reps after the first remote engagement. I think it you know, drops off by around 40%. And as we look at it over time, only 20% of healthcare professionals are still engaging directly with pharma sales reps after five remote engagements. So, I mean, there are a lot of reasons for this. I, I think we've heard things about, you know, complete lack of tailoring of content to their agenda, um, kind of stock slides, um, overloading with emails. But, you know, despite this desire to be using these, these digital channels, we're, we're just not seeing it have the desired effect. I'm curious, are you seeing the same kind of thing play out in Europe? Yeah, absolutely. I think firstly, the demand is there from physicians. So they want more virtual engagement. They want to over different types of uh, digital channels. Um, everybody's preferences are individual, but what's universal is that they prefer some kind of mixture uh, most of the time, right? Um, and it's, there's different kinds of combinations of channels that, that different people want. So they clearly want that. And I guess we have to acknowledge this is new for pharma to shift to this digital uh, engagement environment. Uh, we also acknowledge pharma is not very good at it. Um, so satisfaction with the, the, the virtual engagement 
has always been pretty low uh, since we looked at it over the last two years. It's always been in the teens. Um, I think most recently we're seeing only 15% of physicians are very satisfied with the virtual engagement they have with pharma. That's always trailed behind in person, which has typically been in the 30s. And actually the gap between satisfaction with virtual and in-person rep interactions has only increased um, with our most recent investigation in March of 2022. Um, right now, satisfaction with virtual is at 15% and in-person has gone up to 49%. The people who really want in-person perhaps being very happy to, to have it kind of increase again lately. That said, physicians are still anticipating that 40% of their interactions with reps will be remote and they tend to have at least one, if not two or three virtual channels as their top three most preferred channels to interact uh, with pharma. So this sort of hybrid environment um, is certainly the future that is expected, but simply taking the skill set and the activities and the tools that were used in the 99% in-person detailing environment and trying to push them through another, through another channel, um, it's easy to do, but it's not very effective is what doctors are telling us. Yeah, and I think that resonates a lot, right? Because I think we've seen this um, a huge amount of interest for pharma to jump on digital and, and use that going forward, but not necessarily tailoring it um, and, and using it to the, the power that it could, right? Um, and so I think one, one interesting thing that we have seen is this reduced spend on sales and marketing that's come out of the, the pandemic. Now, no surprise, this is a side effect, right? You can't go in person to visit customers. You can't go in person to conferences. So a huge amount of savings were seen in the first year of the pandemic. And I think there was a script article that did some interesting analysis that said a lot of the big pharmaceutical companies had cut SGNA spend, I think a range of one to 8%. And this was obviously related to lower spend on sales calls, conferences, et cetera. Now we're back in the field and we're seeing that as in-person visits are increasing, there's still this desire by a lot of pharma companies to keep this change and, and make it permanent and not to go back to the traditional pharma model. I, for example, Pfizer recently restricted their U.S. field force size and added in positions for more remote HCP engagement. We've seen with smaller companies, which are really hindered by the lack of in-person engagement during the pandemic, having to really invest in digital marketing to stand out. And this really forced them to amplify their virtual marketing campaigns. A lot of companies really struggled to do it, but some have really flourished and found that as a way to really differentiate from the traditional model. For example, um, Clovis Oncology decided to take a virtual only approach versus the traditional field force um, and also heavily invest in their digital marketing program post COVID and not go back to the traditional marketing source. But I think the risk is what you just outlined, Jeff, right? Like if, if you're not changing the fundamentals behind it and just cutting your spend, there's a massive risk that you won't be meeting customer needs. I don't know, just kind of curious, like are, what's your view on how you see this playing out? Great points, Jen. I mean, I think the easy temptation if you're a pharma executive is to say, ah, okay, doctors have shifted to being used to virtual engagements. Uh, email is a lot cheaper than hiring a sales rep. So what can I do to replace a sales rep? How many emails does it take? Um, or how many webinars? Like these things scale better. And that's, that's nice. That is a, an advantage. 
but it's a there's a temptation for looking at this the wrong way, right? And just looking and saying, well, this is the promotional response for per digital channel that I get. First of all, there are doctors who do want in-person interaction with with sales reps, with MSLs, um, with with other stakeholders. And if you're not doing that and your competitor is, then that competitor may be creating a better customer experience than you are. We're seeing in general a lot of interest across pharma in investing and measuring the impact of different marketing channels as well as messages and campaigns. And that, that's needed. That hadn't been in place, right? There hasn't been historically a whole lot of discipline in seeing how well all these things are actually working when they are done. Um, but looking at it on a sort of channel by channel basis and making a, a simple decision based off of which individual thing is working or not working is kind of missing the the forest for the trees. What what we what pharma needs to think about is more holistically, what is the customer experience to shape? What is the role of each of these different interactions and channels in that? And what do we have to kind of deliver to that? Whereas it's only one piece of the puzzle to say, how well is this one channel doing? How well is this one message doing? Yeah, and I think that resonates a lot, right? Because you, you can't be looking at it um, so siloed. And, and to your earlier point, yeah, I think there is a huge interest in looking to cut costs and think that if I cut it here and I just transfer this activity to this other channel, all else is equal. Um, there's a, a lot of interest right now in looking at different launch models and how do we be leaner at launch, which really means how do we how do we reduce the amount of people that we need and use digital as supplement? But I, it's not that straightforward, right? There are so many other complexities that need to be taken into account. And maybe in the future, that will become more viable, but we're a long ways off. And so um, I'm kind of curious, like, what's your view, Jeff, as we look across the industry? How would you characterize the current state of marketing as we come out of this pandemic and what that means as we start needing to think about the near term versus long term? Yeah, it's growing up a little bit more. <laughs> um, if we go in a time machine, it, we had an earlier phase of pharma marketing of you know the '90s, which was a very sales-oriented kind of pharma marketing. And the latest sort of trend that pharma has, by and large, matured for, though you know at different paces, um, is being a bit more customer-centric and not thinking just about the product and pushing the product, and it's all about reaching frequency. So this next kind of frontier for pharma that it's early in its journey on is to get a lot more digital savvy at a marketing level, right? And so we are seeing that there's a lot more acknowledgement that marketing and pharma needs to step up its game and its ability to deliver digitally. We're seeing more interest in training. We're seeing more interest in rethinking processes and working more in an agile way and so on and so forth. What we might see a bit more in the far term is are the needs to deliver uh, in marketing in a more digital environment, are those kind of skill sets and capabilities, like can we put that on the people who are doing marketing now, who have done marketing in a certain way the last several years, who have other parts of their job, um, who are used to delivering a, a story and a visual aid um, and so on and so forth. Um, is it the right thing to say, your job is now also to figure this, this digital marketing piece out? Or is the right thing to say, we need to increase our marketing capability through other roles, through other kinds of capabilities? Um, do we, we need to think about the way we orchestrate the experience for the HCP 
you know, is that the role of the marketer? Is that the role of a sales rep? Is that the role of a new role entirely? Um, and so those are some of the questions I think pharma will, will grapple with uh, in the coming years. Another level more broadly is just other kind of company capabilities, right? So what we're seeing a lot of now in the recent years is a lot of investment in omni-channel analytics and operations, things like next best action, next best target, next best engagement, um, artificial intelligence, machine lear learning approaches, um, doing the kind of content tagging and analysis to inform all of that, which has been a, a meaningful step forward. Um, the gap now is to actually have the marketing to pay that off, right? You've got this great analytics operational engine that can provide a lot of great suggestions on what kind of message you should use or who you should talk to next, where a patient's going to be next, um, or you know what kind of preference a doctor might have for a certain type of content. But it doesn't mean a whole lot if you don't have the actual content or the ability to deliver a tailored set of content to that doctor. And so a big gap currently is the process and ways of working and skill set to to get and to approve and deploy more modular content and to actually deliver an orchestrated experience and to actually deliver more individual customer journeys as opposed to one size fits all customer journey. And again, who directs that process? Last but not least, we've been seeing a lot more thinking, but not as much execution yet on kind of how to how to shrink the the time between signal and action. So again, pharma of the 90s and, and increasingly of the early aughts uh, is, you know, you have your, your annual planning process, you build a strategy, you build tactics on the back of that, you, you put it out there. Okay, let's, let's see how that actually affects the market in, in the real world. You know, day zero, some kind of signal happens. Well, the gap between that signal happening and pharma actually acting on it, because they have to first find out about it, then they have to decide to actually investigate it and they actually have to figure out what to do about it and they actually have to figure out how to execute against that and who's responsible, um, that gap can be like 18 months or two years because it's connected to this sort of annual rigid sort of process and uh, the budgeting that goes with that and so on and so forth. You know, compare that to contrast that with, with uh, consumer goods and the time between signal and action is you know, hours or days. Uh, now pharma for a lot of reasons can't be that fast, but from us thinking about how do we shrink that gap at least a lot more. And so we're seeing things like more agile and dynamic kind of strategy and tactics planning processes um, that, that break out of existing molds. But there's a whole lot of inertia to, to shift into this new environment that the pharma has to work through. Yeah, it's it's a great point, right? Because it, it does change the fundamentals of, of how is a brand strategy developed, um, executed and, and adapted. And kind of building on what you're saying and thinking more, you know, to the the launch space where, where I do more work, um, there's a, a ton of opportunity thinking about launch strategy and, and market shaping and campaign development. Right, like the, the big picture is that pharma needs to get better um, and be more strategic about how they invest in shaping the market for all customers, you know, patients, HCPs, and payers, and really creating this positive experience, and really solving the fundamental question of how do we go from a push mindset to a pull, um, where where people are are choosing to engage with us. So that's the fundamental question: how do we pull people in? You know, is that for the marketer to solve on their own? Probably not. It's really complex, but we do know that experience matters. 
We know that customers that have a positive experience are two to three times more engaged than customers that aren't. We know from our research that customer experience is much more than the product. It's you know about reputation, support services, the pharma personnel, and digital engagement. And you know why in the past farmers relied more on the the product and the, the pharma reps. Um, we need to be more flexible and tailored with content to respond to their agenda. And so we need to make different decisions on how we generate insights, how we build content, how we deliver it, how we create these feedback mechanisms to really be able to engage them. And so I think some of the questions that um, teams need to be thinking up about much earlier in the life cycle, really in the launch strategy and planning is like, how are we going to engage our customers by using real-time insight? How are we going to be able to quickly tailor and adapt our content to ensure we're meeting their needs and not just broad needs, but, but tailoring down to micro segments ultimately of one. And how are we going to be delivering it? And how do we learn and adapt? I would imagine a lot of those also apply when we think about inline, inline brands, but you know, what else would you build on Jeff? Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree. I think, um, I mean, the, one of the fundamental questions, whether you're a launch or you're in line, is what is the opportunity we have and then what is the requirement for us to unlock that opportunity, um, be it from, you know, the, the product and kind of evidence behind its standpoint or behind the, the resourcing and promotion standpoint. And I think what's going to happen, particularly in, in Europe, uh, I would say Europe is characterized on the pharma side by a bit less maturity in kind of digital promotion capability on average, right? So, so fewer channels are kind of online. You know, it's not necessarily a default that you have like a product website um, per country uh, for doctors, um, for example, um, and that you've got you know, email is pretty common. Uh, maybe um, you know, text messaging is pretty common, right? But uh, a number of other things are maybe just less kind of advanced, let alone the orchestration of those. So you look at that and say, okay, I'm going to launch into a given European market. You know, what is the the kind of case for that? Or if you're in line, I'm I'm looking at like across the kind of competitive landscape to say, okay, well, what what do I need kind of promotionally to succeed? And so the temptation will be to say, well, there actually isn't a whole lot there. It's it's still kind of you know some sales reps and a little bit of email on the top. So I guess that's the model. So the the recommendation would be to to pause and reconsider, does that need to be the model in the future? Is that actually indicative of the customer needs and the experience desired? At the same time, there should be some acknowledgement again of variation. So I mentioned earlier that you know, some specialty areas are, are tend to trend more towards um, remote interaction, like infectious disease, like oncology. Some countries trend a bit more towards remote, like the UK or trend more towards in person like France. So when you're building your and maintaining, you know, what what is your kind of commercial promotion model, be it at launch or beyond, you have to take a bit of that into account. You can consider some of those norms as far as what what typical may look like in the future. But above all, you need to to take a new step that pharma hasn't had to take before and actually mindfully designing what is a customer engagement experience going to be for this product? How is that going to evolve? over the course of this product's life cycle, is this still going to be the, the right kind of engagement model uh, versus the opportunity kind of created uh, for our product, for our portfolio, um, and evaluate accordingly. Because in the past, the default was just the default. How many reps is it, right? 
and, and how many territories versus opportunity. There'll be a lot more kind of creativity needed. And again, revisiting that over the course of the product's life cycle as well. So the past has just been, yeah, at a certain point, we kind of, you know, turn turns into a P2 for the sales rep, or it drops out of the bag and it's email only, uh, reactive only. Um, expect a lot more nuance in the future and how that gets kind of uh, optimized for a given product in its life cycle versus the rest of its portfolio. Yeah, it's a it's a very fair question to to be thinking about that, and also it brings in some inherent trade offs, right? Kind of along those lines, thinking ahead about the future, what would you make as a, a recommendation to a company or or someone in a, a marketing role on what they need to invest in to be prepared in the near term and ultimately longer term to meet these evolving customer needs? Yeah, I think the pharma marketer should be thinking about the now and the near and the far term. Right now, um, I'll probably hit it for like the eighth time of our conversation. Listen to your customer, understand their needs, understand their experiences, be sophisticated in your ability to at least, at least understand the way that varies, even if you're not yet in the capacity to fully deliver against that, because it will vary. Uh, but there will be different trends depending on, again, your, your market, your, your therapeutic area, um, but, but also your product situation and, and what your product represents to your customer, the physician, and uh, the way it can solve problems for them. One thing in particular in the now term that we should be thinking about, particularly with respect to COVID, as we enter this kind of next phase, is what is going on for the healthcare practitioner today. Um, yes, ho hopefully there's not as many people with COVID coming to hospitals to worry about, but there's been a mounting backlog of patients who haven't received care, um, who are going to have to work their way through the system, who when they work through their system may be more severe and controlled or dissatisfied than they were would have been otherwise. Um, and certainly before COVID, we we already had you know challenges around the volume of patients coming through the healthcare system. It's also challenges for the healthcare providers on staffing, right? People getting burnt out and leaving the uh, the workforce um, and the ability for them to meet that. So there's some sensitivities to needs even beyond just how you want to interact with them, but just really understand your customer and their experience. That's the now term. Um, that's that's kind of table stakes to to kind of get things right going ahead. In the near term, it's getting more digital savvy, and there's all sorts of questions that we've touched on that are broader organizational decisions, right? Where where do responsibilities lie for some of these activities between global, or regional, or local levels? Are there going to be spe specialized roles that are built in delivering the digital marketing? Specialized roles into orchestrating the experience for the HCP as it's getting more sophisticated. Um, are you going to be investing in upskilling your marketers uh, in digital? Are you going to try to source talent from industries that have more of this digital expertise than pharma has historically? And what does it take for them to be successful in pharma? And so on and so forth. Are you thinking fundamentally about, again, digital? as a part of the engagement strategy for customers and thinking about the different kinds of journeys that you build in interaction with them in a way that you haven't in the past if you're thinking about what is the, the positioning and core messages to deliver for this product as your fundamental question. And building on that, the far term, think more fundamentally about experience creation. This is where marketing has moved outside of pharma, right? So if you, if you think about the best experience you've ever had as a customer, you might think about companies like Tesla or Amazon, or Netflix or Disney or you know a hotel resort or 
um, a five-star restaurant, uh, and so on and so forth. That's not by accident, right? Those companies invest a lot, not just in having fantastic products and marketing them well, but to create an experience for you. Um, they have people who think a lot about that every day and look at a lot of data for that every day. And because you know, we, we've all had that experience with a, um, with a great company um, or a great restaurant or a great hotel, um, we maybe haven't had that same kind of experience in healthcare. But we as patients and physicians who experience these things in their daily lives are going to increasingly expect that out of healthcare, uh, be it implicitly or explicitly. And so um, that means the marketer has to think a little more like the marketer outside of pharma, be increasingly concerned with the overall experience for the customer and taking as your responsibility, how can I design this and how can I truly coordinate cross-functionally to deliver that, to deliver you know, the same desired experience consistently across what the sales reps doing, what the MSL is doing, what the access partners doing, the support services are doing, what's being talked about at congresses, what's coming out on social media, and so on and so forth. Because that's the way that the other sophisticated companies are operating. That's the way pharma will get to in the far term eventually. Now, I like how you laid that out, Jeff. I, I think it's really a great point to look at it from where are we today versus the near long and far term and to your point on in the far term it's really about experience design and looking outside to work back um, I think it's a great point and we're not there yet right and, and I think one of the the risks that I I see is this desire to jump to that far term state without going along the journey without you know building the digital savvy capabilities and skill sets that are needed to, to bring you there, to be able to deliver this really superior customer experience. And so I think kind of outlining where you did with focusing now on the customer and knowing their needs and knowing how to build along that journey is really fundamental. And I can imagine a, a long-term where, you know, we will see digital, digital only launches in some context, but we're far ways out from that and understanding what's the context, the customer need, the product situation, the company, country maturity model, the customer um, understanding and needs to be able to tailor those different kind of launch models as well. And so I think, you know, kind of looking ahead and, and kind of wrapping up, it, it really kind of comes down to this need to be much more flexible to the customer and understanding how to localize and how to do hybrid really well, and that being the focus in the, the short and near term. So I think as we, we wrap up this episode, um, I wanna say thank you, Jeff, for, for joining. Uh, I think we covered a lot of really great points and kind of main takeaways I'm taking out of this is to continue to understand customers, um, be flexible, and be integrated in how we address those needs. Is there anything that you would add to that before we wrap up? I would absolutely agree. I think my three take home messages are really listen to your customers. If you think you're doing enough to do that now, think again, that's something that you can change right now is make sure you've really holistically thought about that and brought that together. And in the farther term, rethink about what your marketers do and should be doing and what processes and tools you have in place and whether they're actually built a purpose to enable it, they probably aren't. Those, those two pieces will take more time, but the thinking and visioning absolutely start now. Great. Well, thank you for joining us on this episode, Jeff. 
Um, and thank you everyone for listening. That's it for this episode of the ZS Associates Inside Global Pharma podcast. Thank you and hope to see you next time.